and so I just kind of sat in, in in the second or third row and 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 said a few prayers and kind and and just sat and and looked at 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 Jesus in the Eucharist there, and I was just brought to tears. Welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. I'm your co-host, Dennis. And I'm that other co-host, Robert. And we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint or two of our favorite beers. So why don't you pull up a chair, pour yourself a pint, and listen in for the next little while. As we take the faith seriously, but not necessarily ourselves. And as always, if you want to take part in the conversation or have an idea for the podcast, leave us a comment or swing by our Facebook page and drop us a message. Dennis, buddy, how are you doing this evening? Good, Robert. Very excited. Season two. I didn't See, think I'd make. I didn't think I'd make it to season two, but I, I pulled through in the end. Happy to be here. Excited about our guest tonight. Yeah, I think the only reason why you made it to season two, there, buddy, is because you shortened season one. I shortened I mean, season one by about half. That's right. Yeah. In both cases, me, my lack of presence and the fact that we started in March. But yeah, we're, we're on season two and we've got a, a great lineup for, for the next couple of months, actually. And we have a great guest tonight, like I said. And you're keeping well and you're looking good as usual, Robert. Oh, thank you very much, sir. Yeah, doing the, doing the best we can during these times. Uh, but yeah, no excited new year, new season. Like you say, great guest. Uh, on the go this evening. But before we introduce our guest this evening, I wanted to ask, do you have a faith shout out for yes, us this I do. episode? I, I finally have one. I have, you know what? I decided to have a faith shout out to Father Chris, my pastor here at our church in Ajax. In fact, all of the pastors and priests, the parish priests of the Archdiocese of Toronto, because they've been keeping the church up and running, Robert, for the last, oh, almost two years now. And we've been pivoting, and I know how much we love don't, that word. Don't, don't, don't use that word, pivot. I've heard that enough in so many staff meetings. So. <laughs> That's getting a little bit long in the tooth, the word pivot. But they've done a great job, right? They, you know, some of them, we've had to register for, you know, for masses. And, you know, we've had walk-ups. And they've just been, they've just been amazing. So to keep the uh, parishes going and the churches going, a big shout-out to all the parish priests. Oh, very much so, because it's our pastors, really, who have been providing us not just an essential service. I want to say they've been providing us the most essential service because our faith truly is essential to our souls. Absolutely. And just having that notion of the faith and and supporting the faith and evangelizing. uh, My shout out for this episode goes to a small pizza restaurant in the the little town of Drayton. Drayton, Ontario is probably about an hour and a half. I will want to say uh, Northwest from Toronto. And if you have the opportunity to make your way out to Drayton, I strongly suggest you stop in at family time pizza, which is just a little bit outside of the downtown uh, we stop in there from time to time because it's on the way uh, when we drive through to go visit my in-laws in London, Ontario. And this past Christmas holidays, as we were on our way home, we decided to stop at Family Time Pizza for lunch. And food is absolutely amazing. It's worth the drive out there for the food alone. But what really floored me, what blew me away, was how open they are with their Christian faith. Uh, at the the till at the cash where you go to, to order your food and they have a, a sit down area for when sit down areas are open. Uh, they have some Christian t-shirts and Christian hats and uh, one or two Christian books and CDs uh, of a, one of their favorite Christian podcasts. And I think it's really important that we support these small businesses that are, are very uh, open about their faith. 
Um, now it's the great one that they could be open about their faith, and it's great that they um, the, the business they don't get hurt business wise that they're still doing well and thriving. So that's that's a good it's a good sign. Um, that place was busy. It was rocking over that lunch. A lot of it was takeout. Yeah. But again, that just goes to show how excellent the food there is. And again, just being open about the, the Catholic faith. Now, the, the podcast CD they had wasn't a, a Pints and Pews CD. I mean, maybe that's something we need to look into to do should in the future. Few, should have brought a few hats with you, baby, or something. And Next time we're blowing shelves. through, I'm going to have a couple hats to drop off for them there. Yeah. Now, now, you said the place was rocking. You know, uh, how... You know, as far as things can rock in downtown Drayton at a pizzeria, I guess is what you mean, right? Are you sure there's a downtown they, in Drayton, Ontario, or is it just? Yeah, like but this? don't 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 blink, you'll miss it. But it, very yeah. picturesque. There's a river that winds through. I've never even um, heard of Drayton. Now I've heard heard of a lot of small town Ontario. Have you? Uh, I I caught population five hundred thousand. What? Maybe about a thousand people. Okay. And, okay. Uh, yeah. I find it very similar to Port Perry, where, where I am, but it's a, a great little town. Well, but I mean, we're, we're, we're digressing here. And I'm getting guest, thirsty. You're getting thirsty. Usual. Our guest is waiting patiently as we yes. babble along here. So I want to introduce this episode's guest. So our guest this episode is Robert Lichner, and he's a 29 year old cradle Catholic who was raised by Polish parents. Uh, who his mom emigrated to Canada and then on his dad's side, his grandparents emigrated from Poland to Canada. Uh, and again, having my own in-laws who are immigrants as well, I, I know how strong those, those stories are uh, of those parents. Now, growing up, Robert followed the Polish Catholic tradition to a certain extent. And there was mass on Sunday, along with all of the other expected faith bits that went along with that. Robert studied history and philosophy at university before deciding on a career move to IT, and that's a field he still currently works in. At a youth retreat in late 2016, Robert had a conversion, or more probably a reversion experience, which reignited his passion to pursue, in particular, the great whys of our Catholic faith, and began digging deeper and deeper into Catholic literature. Robert is engaged to be married this coming summer to Paulina and is just doing what he can to prepare for the sacrament of marriage, both practically and spiritually. For one reason or another, Dennis, there our guest Robert has decided that listening to the Pines and Pews podcast would be a good idea for his spiritual development. The great mysteries of life. Robert. Yeah, I was going to say, to be quite honest, that kind of befuddles me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, one of those great mysteries, why he would uh, want to delve into this podcast. Uh, maybe we'll get into that as we talk with him. So, Robert, welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. Welcome, Thank Robert. You. Thank you for having me. And first off, congratulations. Yes. Uh, you're getting Taking married. A big step. I, I think that is the most amazing thing going. Uh, my wife and I celebrated 25 years of marriage this past summer. Uh, oh wow! Congratulations! And, and thank you. And I uh, and right now I'm getting goosebumps just thinking back to those 25 years when we when we first got married as well. Um, so, I, you, I think you're doing something that's that's amazing and and wonderful. So, congratulations on that. Uh, and your fiance's name is Paulina. That's right. Yeah. So we'll we'll say hello to Paulina, and hopefully we won't embarrass her too much as we go through this evening. No, congratulations, uh, Robert. I'm coming on 25 years, and for me, it's and I think I speak for the best thing that ever happened to me in my life was to marry my wife. So, good for you. 
So, be a nice know, Polish wedding. We expect a couple invitations in the mail, Robert. <laughs> there, there we go. I'm going to go start dusting my tuxedo off. And Absolutely. Uh, we're we're, we're nice ready to go. Some nice Polish beers and some nice Polish music, and we'll be all set at the reception. Well, and, and don't forget the food. Oh, don't forget yeah, the rogues. I can well, taste them now. <laughs> but you're saying that. I think the, you're, you're missing that the most important part of the whole wedding day is the, the mass. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that mass and the the wedding as soon as Robert. Yeah, we we need to open up. So De- Dennis, I hear you. You've got your your beer. What what are you drinking there, Dennis? I'm, I've always wanted Robert. Robert, you got to get to the prayer so we can start to imbibe a little bit. This was brought for my little uh, my neighbor down the road. Dan brought me a home sweet home honey vanilla wheat beer. That's a lot in that, isn't it? Very nice. So Very we'll let nice. you know how it is as soon as we uh, you guys pour and we'll say a quick prayer. Okay. And so, Robert, what are you drinking this evening? Uh, so I'm actually drinking a vodka strong. Um, for some reason, they don't sell the regular vodka here at the, the LCBO in Ontario. So, But um, I actually ended up trying the regular one when I was in the U.S. at one point in Buffalo. Um, I find the strong is better, not because it's strong. It's only 6.3%, but um, I feel like it has, oh. I, I have, I have an attraction. I seem to have a bit of an attraction to a- amber ales and things that are not quite dark as stout, but darker than your standard lager. Right. So it has a bit of sweetness to it and, 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 and it's, it's a little more fuller. Um, and so can I feel we, that's, can that's we see the I bottle? Not, the not that yeah, we are, sure. our guests are listening. Yeah, yeah. Hold, hold, hold it up there. So that's a little bit higher there. So W A R K A. That's right. Yeah, yeah. The reflections kind of. That's a nice. And what size is that too? That looks like a big. Uh... Um, it's a it, it's a five hundred milliliter bottle. Oh, it is I a five hundred. All okay. the all the Polish beers by default are either in a in a, in a tall can or in the uh, in the half liter bottle. Yeah, no, no, three fifty five mils. In no, no, I I found that <laughs> when I was in Eastern Europe as well. Like it's yeah, the the pint pints are bigger, and I mean. I always like to, like you say, the, the darker beers uh, as well, a little bit fuller flavor. Now you say you don't like quite as dark as a stout. I actually have a whalebone oyster stout from the Perth Brewery. Uh, again, speaking of small, picturesque, small little towns, Perth uh, along Highway 7 on the way to Ottawa there. Um, I stopped in as I was driving to Ottawa a couple months ago and picked up a selection of their different beers. So I have here their, their whalebone oyster stout which I'm really looking forward to, to delving into. It's not quite as strong as your, your strong beer there, Robert, at only 5.1%, but uh, it's a nice, dark, chocolatey color there. So 5.5 on this one, yeah. Okay. So I've got, I've got the, the lightest beer of the bunch here right. then this evening. Not color-wise. Not color-wise, this one. And, is, and probably uh, not taste-wise, but alcohol-wise. So yeah, let's say grace before beer so we can take our first sip. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bless, O Lord, this creature beer, which thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain, that it may be a salutary remedy to the human race, and grant, through the invocation of thy holy name, that whoever shall drink it may gain health and body and peace and soul. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. Or uh, more appropriately, Nazdrovia. Nazdrovia. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds and, much better than cheers, uh, <laughs> Robert. 
it literally translates to um, for health. So, sorry, it translates to it literally translates to for health or for, for health. health. Okay, I thought you said yeah. poor health. I thought that's an odd. <laughs> she has to give someone poor health. I mean, if you want to do a sarcastic one, then I guess it applies as well. But mm. yeah, I'm, I'm I'm tasting the weed. I'm not tasting the vanilla or the honey in this one. Actually, I don't know if I'd. Uh... Yeah, I'll have to get used to that. How's your beers, gentlemen? Good? Very good. Delicious. Yeah. I would That's definitely it. say that it's my uh, my go-to. So where can you get that beer then, Robert? Because I haven't seen that. I don't know if I've seen that in... You get your standard three or four Polish beers in the LCBO here. Um, That's right. Yeah. So uh, I think specifically specifically the vodka that I'm drinking, it's not available at the beer store. It's usually um, only at LCBO. Oh, you can um, get it at LCBO. Okay. Yeah. And, and I, I find that in general, actually... Um, the stores are fairly decent at catering to their demographics. Hmm. So I think that in, in the West End of Toronto oh, in general, since there's a larger Polish population, that um, um, all the Polish beers are always in stock. I know that um, going up north sometimes to Huntsville or Bracebridge, they might, the selection is definitely a bit smaller. So I mm -hmm. think it might just depend which location to go to. Okay, yeah, absolutely. I think you're right about the demographic thing for sure. I think that's a that's a good business yeah. model there. Now, and I like the way that that's just rolling off your tongue there, Robert. I, I know, and I want our listeners to know he's not saying vodka. He's not drinking a vodka. It's <laughs> W-A-R-K-A. Just yeah. So if you want to sounds... if you want to kind of anglicize it, you can say warka, but it's, yeah, it's, it's but vodka way... in Polish. That's yeah, right. yeah, I can totally get that. But I think our listeners say, is he drinking vodka beer? Because it sounds a lot like that. Well, then, and, appropriate and, and, for the podcast as well. You don't you don't really want to have a pint of that now, do you? No, Absolutely not. No. And actually, when you first said it too, I was saying, did he just say he's having a vodka strong? I know. I, like, oh. I just, I thought he's having a strongbow cider or something, one of those ciders. But anyhow, we want him to make it to the end of the podcast. For sure. The way you pronounce it, and then also when you, you said cheers and for your health. And again, we don't want to mm -hmm. wish poor health on, on Dennis because he's had enough poor health yes, to, to yes, last him for quite a while. Good to be back in vibing in the beer, that's for sure. But but those pronunciations are are absolutely beautiful, and I but know they're great, some... aren't they? They're absolutely. And Robert, you you know that you speak you know three, four, five languages, so you know the proper pronunciation. It just sounds so much better when you're actually pronouncing it in the way it was to be pronounced. So I, I think that's excellent, and hopefully we'll learn a little bit of Polish tonight as well. Yeah, and for me, I know the the Polish pronunciation is probably some of the the hardest ones. I I just I can't I can't quite get around. And that's kind of how we got to know Robert as well at the that's beginning. Right. That's was, exactly uh, how we uh, we were having a Polish beer, weren't we? And I, I think I mispronounced it. I was having a, I'm not even going to try it, Robert, which was the beer I was having. So at least if you butcher it, Ro Robert can correct you. The, 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 Tyszki, 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 Tyszki is how it's pronounced. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One of the simpler names, because you don't have to start throwing in five consonants in the same word. So what so, about the lack? Is is it pronounced L-E-C-H? How's that one pronounced? Uh, uh, so it's, uh, for some reason, C-H and H are almost the same in Polish. So you just pronounce that as if there was no C in there. So lech, it's almost like... Uh, Excellent. Um, if, 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 if you've ever heard Arabic, how sometimes when they make uh, an H, a K-H sound, it's almost like you're making phlegm in your mouth. It's right, definitely right. not to that extent, but it's right. just an H at the end. Lech. So lech, I'm drinking That's a lech. Right. Yeah, so, so for our, our Irish friend here, which is a hop, skip, and a jump away from Scotland, um, you think of the word loch for lake in Scottish, mm, right. loch, but instead of the O, put an E in there. 
and you would have leh. Leh. Oh. Yeah, leh. Um, and, and then the Tatra is actually Tatra. Is it pronounced the way it's written, the Tatra beer? That's you know, right, yeah. Yeah, so in, in Polish, there's a tendency to roll the R, but the, the pronunciation is the same. So ta, Tatra, ta, Tatra, it's, it's... Okay, yeah, Tatra, close. Tatra. Yes, um, our friend from... Uh, Robert, the, oh yeah, I was gonna say that, the, that, yeah. yeah, that that was the, the the second time Robert had to step in and help us out here at the Pints and Pews podcast. Uh, one of our our other guests, Father Gregory Merkley, oh, Greg. uh, who's in the the diocese of Hamilton. Uh, I know he's just switched parishes. I can't remember. I think he's back in Hamilton proper now. Uh, but for his episode, uh, he got himself a Tatra beer. And he's not much of a beer drinker. So the thought process behind getting himself the Tatra beer wasn't the name. It wasn't necessarily the beer itself, but because of the guy that's on the label. He said, you know, you can't turn down a beer that has Indiana Jones on the label. And so like, Robert's like, no, no, no. The same way he's like, you know, you said Tishkie is one of the easiest of the, the Polish beer names to pronounce. I'm sure when you were listening to us on that and the way we were butchering it, you're you probably rolling on the floor laughing. And then you hear us saying that Indiana Jones is on the Tatra label. So uh, what is behind the Tatra? Who is that gentleman on? I think you had mentioned it in, when you had responded to us, Robert. Yeah. So um, if, 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 if you look at the entire label on the bottom half, there's a bunch of mountains and on the top right. half, there's uh, the so-called Indiana Jones. And um Basically, it goes back to a, uh, a folk group that exists in Poland up to this day. They're called Gurale, or like the, the translation would be Highlanders, basically. So along the southern border of Poland, you've got a whole bunch of mountain ranges. One of the smaller ranges is actually called the, the, uh, the Tatre, or the Tatra mountain range. Okay. And so um, what uh, the guy on the can is wearing is kind of the, uh, the traditional dress of what the Highlanders in the area would wear usually like a leather wide brim cap, usually some kind of um, shells or other decorations around, around the brim. And then um, they, they're often, oftentimes they were um, uh, lumberjacks slash uh, sheep or goat herders. So usually the rest of their dress would involve leather or wool. And so okay. that's kind of uh, the basic uh, image of, of what they always wear. Excellent. And when you think of mountains too, you know, I often think of Europe, I maybe think of Switzerland or Austria, but you realize, you know, the late Holy Father, Pope John Paul II was a big skier. And obviously there are a few good skiers coming out of Poland. So they must've had some mountains there. And that must be uh, part of it. You said on the Southern edge of Poland, is it? Oh yeah. The that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so actually uh, the, um, the Highlanders sometimes, uh, sometimes people might even debate as to whether they're actually Polish or not. They have their own language. Uh, they speak in, in Highlander, I guess, Pogorowsku in Polish. Um, that seems to be a language unto itself and some sort of hybrid between Polish, Czech, and Slovak, which is the, um, the, board, the, the three countries that share those mountain ranges. Okay. And so you, if, you, if, you, if you ever hear um, proper Polish from, like, from Warsaw and then you go to the mountains, you'll definitely hear the difference. The That's, difference, uh, eh? Yeah, almost like a dialect with the Italians in the southern, you know, the southern places of Italy with their dialects. It's kind of a little bit, you know, people would say it wouldn't be pure Italian. It's kind of the same way, I guess, with these the Highlanders type thing. Yeah. And, and then I think it also depends on just how how uh, how deep they are into the language. It's like, um, for I guess a good comparison might be, for example, if you take somebody from from New York City and you put them into somebody in the bayou. 
they're both speaking English, but they might understand a single word the other person is saying, right? Good point. Good point. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I was just saying, I noticed that a lot in uh, with French as well. Uh, I was born and raised here in Canada, and, and my family is French Canadian. And uh, even from the area, they're from Ottawa, uh, has its own little bit of a particular dialect compared even to, to Quebec or Northern Ontario. Uh, but I really learned my French over in Europe. Born French-Canadian background, but in the Toronto area, so grew up speaking English. And it was as a teenager and university student that I was studying overseas. Come back home, and my dad, who was born and raised a Francophone, says, okay, let's speak French together. And after five minutes, it's like, stop, stop. We, we, we just, we can't do this. Like it's, it's two completely different languages. Now, so you said stop, or your dad said stop? I said stop. Okay, okay. I, 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 I said like your dad stop. said, no, it's too good. Your French is too good now. I'm embar- You're embarrassing me. No, no. And the one time when I was living in Brussels, dad came over for a visit during the Easter holiday. And we went to visit a family in France that he had gotten to know through business. And that was kind of my connection to, to get to know them. And so we're sitting down at the dinner table and the mother of the family looks at me and she says, Robert, I always thought you had a Canadian accent but I can't understand a word that your father is saying. Oh, right. interesting. So do you, do you find that sometimes with the, these folks from the Tatra, Robert, that, that that's what ends up happening? Oh, yeah. And I think that um, the fact that I was born here, I did go to uh, Saturday school for to, to learn Polish. So I think that that's why mine might be uh, um, a little better than some who, who might not have had any formal education with it. But uh, um, it, it's funny because when you, when you mentioned how when I say it, it sounds so much better as if I'm, I'm speaking like genuine Polish. Mm-hmm. But then when I speak to a proper Polish person, then right away you can tell that, um, or they can tell that I've got a heavy accent that's anything but Polish. And so oh, isn't that interesting? It, it sounds very different depending on which it's, side you're coming from. I guess it's all the yeah, same. Yeah. I mean, my when I was a teenager, my friends would call up on the phone and they would say, I didn't understand your word your mother said. My mother has, uh, my late mom had a thick Irish accent. So she Mm. was speaking English, but it was just so thick that they couldn't catch any of it. So. This is kind of where we get out of the way, myself and Robert, and just take us back a little bit and how you started in your faith foundation. You mentioned, you know, Saturday Polish school and uh, how did your whole faith start as a youngster, Robert? Uh, well, um, like, uh, like Robert was saying in, in the introduction, I'm, I'm a cradle Catholic. So, um, both of, both of my parents are, um, are, are, are fairly pious, uh, people. And so we're raising the faith and, and, uh, like he was saying, we go, go to, um, go to church every, go to mass every Sunday and, and, and whatnot. Um, I think that, uh, there's a lot of the faith that's built into the culture, even in ways that may not be completely obvious at first. Um, so for example, um, Given that Christmas uh, um, uh, was was just around the corner, um, we have a lot of traditions normally during Christmas Eve um, that are tend to be um, traditionally Polish. But then when you do a little bit of digging, you realize there's actually a lot of Catholic traditions that it's steeped in as well. Um, so, for example, uh, we usually some of the traditions include things like we don't start eating till the first star appears in the sky <laughs> to represent the star, the star that led uh, the, the three wise men to Jesus, or um, there would be a small pile of hay under the dining table to represent the, um, the, the stable and the nativity scene. Um, there would be uh, an extra place at the table um, always available in case uh, somebody homeless or hungry were to arrive at your house 
um, so that you can show them uh, a proper charity. I really and like invite, that. And invite them to the dinner table. And so a lot of these traditions, I know that um, when I would share them with um, with my Canadian friends, they're to them it just seems like a first of all they're not aware that it's a tradition so it's definitely something uh unique to um if not eastern europe in general than 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 just poland um but like as i was saying once you start looking into the meanings you realize okay so there's actually a lot of um catholic symbolism in these um national cultural traditions that we have and so those kind of traditions even if i didn't know the full meaning of back um back when i was five or back when mm -hmm. i was 10 years old we we still practiced a lot of them right and you were you were going to polish church at the time was this in the toronto area like ronson's vale i'm saying you know the polish area were you out in mississauga yeah, so, this whole time or so actually i was i was born and raised in mississauga the whole time okay. um and so my one and only parish was uh saint maximilian Kolbe, or still is actually um and so it's um I know it's the largest Polish parish in Canada. I'm not sure wow. it's the largest parish in Canada in general. Um, it's something like 3,000 families, so it's definitely up there. But um, that, that is a big parish. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I, was, I was baptized there. I got my first communion, my confirmation there. And um, I think, uh, I think the, um, the marriage ceremony is the only thing I won't be having there because... Um, my fiance Paulina is from Etobicoke, so I'll be having the um, the wedding at her um, smaller, um, but also Polish heritage parish there. So now, when, if, sorry, go ahead, Robert. I was going to say now, when when you do go to mass on Sunday, or growing up, anyways, when you were going to mass on Sunday at Saint Maximilian Kolbe Parish, was the mass itself in in Polish, or does the par the par parish have a mix of Polish and, and English masses? So during their Sunday schedule, they have some masses in Polish and some in English. And so uh, when we were younger, we were always early risers, or at least we were forced to be because our parents were as well. And so we would go for the eight o'clock mass in the morning, and that was always in Polish. And then so as time went on, uh, uh, sometimes we would we'd end up going for the 9.30, which was in English. But um, <laughs> we'd always go back and forth between them. So I, I, I had a lot of exposure to, to the mass in, in both languages. Okay. And were there huge differences in, in, I don't want to say in practice as such, but some of the traditions you saw more at the Polish Mass as opposed to at the English-speaking Mass? Um, if you compare those, I don't, off the top of my head, I don't think there's anything specific that's so different, um, which I guess for me is one of, is, 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 I guess one of the beautiful things in the Mass, how it stays relatively the same regardless mm -hmm. of what language it's in yeah, right mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. so there's the there's there's the universality of, of the faith coming through in that respect but um i think maybe one of the more obvious large things is things like the hymns so obviously there's a whole repertoire of polish hymns and polish christmas carols during christmas season and um, um there's probably individual larger tra traditions that will take part in so for example um mary is that Mary holds a lot of weight in Polish culture. And so um, some of the uh, feasts that revolve around her will probably have a higher attendance or um, maybe what the, the first thing that comes to my head that's maybe unique to the Polish parishes would be um, around Easter time on Holy Saturday before Easter Sunday, we have a tradition where everybody would fill baskets with all types of food, whether it's um, you know, sausages, eggs, and, and bread is usually the standard things, and, and, and chocolates, and whatever other 
um, goods that we have and that we're thankful for. And then we bring them to the church. And so there's usually a blessing ceremony that takes place of those baskets. Um, and there's a whole bunch of symbolism in, in the different types of food that we include in the baskets. And, and, um, and oftentimes there's even a tradition where for the people who are abstaining from meat until, until Easter morning, um, the meat that happens to be in your basket and, and was blessed as an exception to that and, 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 and okay. things like this. So, um, yeah, I think the, the blessing of the baskets during Easter is probably one of those more unique traditions that you'll only really find in. I think you'll find them in a lot of Eastern European churches, but um, for sure Polish churches. Now, Robert, you mentioned that you do go to you did go to Polish school or, or Polish studies on Saturday morning. Was That's there a right. faith was there a faith aspect to that, or was it just purely learning the language? The um, culture? Not did particularly. They... I think it was the language. I think that um, I think that when we come across cultural symbols that hold weight both in the faith and in the in the culture, then by default you learn a bit about both. But the main so focus interwoven. Is the yeah. 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 So for example, if we're talking about if we're talking about uh, Saint John Paul II, then um, I mean it's 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 exactly how, how you think it'll be, right? Or if we're if we're learning about Polish history and 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 the famous saints were to come up, then um, and obviously that has um it holds holds weight on on both the uh mm-hmm. the culture and culture the faith and the faith as well yeah do you find that this interwovenness of the polish culture and the catholic faith that um that you're seeing so much of the the symbolism or a lot of the traditions that that go on whether it's at christmas um with the hay under the table or the extra place at the table uh or at easter with the blessing of the the baskets uh, and possibly even within your, your day-to-day life, has this interwovenness of Polish culture helped to strengthen your Catholic faith? I think so. I think, um, I think some of it is, or I, I think a lot of it actually, um, would count as an example of witness in one way or another to the faith. So, for example, when you have, when you have known great Polish people like, um, like St. St. Pope John Paul II, um, there's value because he's Polish, but then he, as a person, is a witness to the faith and, 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 and what, it, what it can bring and what it provides and, and how it's good. Um, I think other portions of it is, um, depending on if you're, if you're learning about it, will be things like historical events, for example, right? So um, those, those would also count as witness to the faith in different ways. So Two of the examples that would come to my mind, for example, would be um, in the 1600s when the Polish king Sobieski um, helped repel the siege of Vienna of the Ottomans. And you get into this entire uh, genre, this entire topic of, um, of defending, the, defending Catholic Europe from, uh, from the Muslim East and, and how he was a Polish king, but he's also a Catholic king. And so how those things play together or... For example, we have an icon called um, uh, the Black Madonna in um, in a town in Poland called Częstochowa, where there's a bunch of uh, stories and history around it. Like, for example, um, it was in the monastery in the area during a siege where um, German mercenaries were hired by the Swedish king to take over the, the town and the monastery. And so there was a big siege happening there. And then so... Um, I, w- I don't know if I'd call it legend or history because it seems a lot of it can still be up, up, up to debate, but there's definitely some truth to the story of how when it seemed like all was lost 
and the siege was about to be um, uh, the siege was about to be successful, then they would have paraded the the Black Madonna painting around the monastery to raise the morale of the troops and and that would have pushed them to continue defending and to eventually break the siege. Um, and some people even argue that that battle was actually the turning of the entire war at the time that was happening. And then so there's there's even permanent things that would seem out of place. And when you start asking questions, you realize that, oh, that's what it's tied to. So um, one, of the, one of the explanations that I've heard about why it's called the Black Madonna, why the face of Mary and Jesus are so dark, whereas the rest of the painting has been ordained in gold and jewelry and whatnot, and you wouldn't notice is that over time, it's been ordained in, in, uh, uh, in all this uh, gold and jewelry, but the faces they don't cover. And those faces um, allegedly were darkened from all the, the smoke and the explosions that were happening during that battle. And then so it's like a permanent scar to the painting and it's almost like a, a witness to what happened. And, and at the very least, it's kind of a seed to plant to, to start telling the story to somebody. Wow. And these are all things I, I, yeah. I've heard of the Black Madonna of Chestahova, yeah, but I didn't know the story. Story behind, behind her, yeah, and, and I've heard of the siege of Vienna uh, and King. And, and again, I apologize, but King Sobieski. Sobieski, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, hearing these these stories behind, um, again, the the faith and the military aspect, or the the, the faith and the, the earthly aspect, of, are going together. And especially when you were relating that story of the uh, Our Lady of Chestohova, and that the, the icon was uh, taken in procession around the monastery uh, to rally the troops and to, to strengthen the troops and to take courage uh, from Our Lady, uh, reminded me of, of two different things as well. I mean, there's the Battle of Lepanto, where the the Christian mm -hmm. forces, the, the Catholic Navy was largely outnumbered by the, the Arab Navy. But then the Pope, and again, the, the name is escaping me at, at this time, which, which Pope was that asked all of Christendom to pray the rosary. Right? And this is, I believe, I want to say November 7th or October 7th, which the month of, of the rosary, October 7th, uh, the Battle of Lepanto. And with everyone praying the rosary, it actually turned the tide, if you'll pardon the pun, uh, of the naval battle, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then also, too, just recently in the last couple of days was the feast day, feast day of uh, Notre Dame de Bon Secours, uh, Our Lady of, of Quick Help, uh, where in Louisiana, there was a hurricane, go figure, but there was the, the storm rolling through. And they put out the statue of, of Notre Dame, of Our Lady, and it helped kind of bypass the, the natural disaster that, that was going on. And I think we need to turn more towards that. And we can look at our world today, where everyone is looking for kind of earthly solutions to this pandemic and, and earthly solutions to uh, all the things that seem to be going on in the world today, where if we were to just turn to the faith, and turn to Our Lady, uh, and turn to our, our Lord Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. I think it would help not just turn a lot of souls, but I think it would help turn the the, the tide uh, eventually of 
where things are going. So I, I thought that was was beautiful. Now, have you had the opportunity, Robert, uh, to go on pilgrimages? To uh, Not on pilgr- pilgrimages. I think the closest thing to that um, that I've done is some travel for the reason of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, I've been to Indianapolis a few years ago for something called the Sikh Conference. And uh, not, not the Sikh that might come to mind at first, but S-E-E-K, yeah. as in Sikh and you shall find. Mm-hmm. Um, conference and then so it's a it's a Catholic youth conference catered for um, post-secondary students mainly um, where there's a lot of talks and a lot of the big names will will show up like uh, Matt Fred or Scott Hahn or or a, a lot a lot of the kind of household names um, so I've I've done that and I've actually had a bit of an experience there with um, with someone who happened to be my roommate because of a bunch of strange circumstances um, and the other trip that I actually had later the same year was I went to World Youth Day in Panama uh, a few years back. And so there was, um, I mean, there was definitely enough walking there for me to consider it a pilgrimage. But <laughs> No, anytime we travel for reasons of the faith, it's a pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and that could be, you know, you could look at every Sunday when we go to Mass. That's a, that's a weekly pilgrimage that, that we're making. And you had mentioned... Uh, and, and I, I mentioned it briefly as well in your bio. So I'm that Sikh conference and the, the World Youth Day mm-hmm. 2016. So that's the, your your reversion moment, your conversion moment. Um, so I think that the um, that moment that I had was actually the year prior. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm part of a group, although not for long, because once you're married, you're kind of booted from the group. Um, <laughs> it's called Youth Teams of Our Lady. And so mm-hmm. um, uh, they hold retreats between Christmas and New Year. Um, now, the, the, before you keep going on that, the good mm-hmm. news is, is for married couples, there's the teams of Our Lady. Exactly. Well. Yeah. So the, you don't get booted never to return again. You actually, I guess you can call it a promotion to a group that's specifically catered not for young people, but for married couples. Um, so that's actually one thing I'm looking forward to. But um, so on one of these winter retreats that I went to, um, at that point in time, uh, I was still in that stage before the reversion where, um, again, I knew, I knew the things about the faith and I followed the basics and all that, but there were things that were surprisingly common that I wasn't aware of. Like, for example, adoration, uh, of the blessed sacrament. I've never been to one before that time. Um, I didn't quite know what it was and I understood, um, um, or at least I thought I understood, or at least I had some sort of faith in, in, in the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. But the idea of just sitting for multiple hours in front of the Eucharist, um, I, I've never done that before. And so during this retreat, they would do that every evening for a few hours. And so because it was kind of foreign to me, I would ask around, oh, what do you do short of just sitting and staring, right? And so some people would pull out a rosary and some people would bring... Um, they would they would uh, bring books, um, sometimes a Bible or other books of the faith, like Lives of the Saints, that kind of thing. And so I figured up until that point, I've read through a couple of children's Bibles, but I've never read through the actual Bible, um, the full version, so to speak. So I brought it with me and I just started from page one, started at Genesis and started reading. And so for the first couple of evenings, that's all I did. I kind of sat in the back and, and, and would read the Bible. And then so um, I think it was that third evening where I brought it in with me, the Bible, but I didn't 
something was pulling me away from reading it. Um, and so I just kind of sat in, in, in the second or third row and, and, and said a few prayers and kind and, and just sat and, and looked at, 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 at Jesus in the Eucharist there. And I was just brought to tears and there was no, there was no rhyme or reason for it. There was nothing obvious um, that I could think of that was happening. Um, and I still struggle to describe exactly what the feeling was, but it was like, imagine, I guess, feeling scared, but you don't realize that you're scared until somebody points it out. Um, and as a child, that feeling of comfort you get when you have like a big bear hug from one of your parents and you get this profound feeling of like safety and um, from that. And so I, 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 I felt that for that evening um, on a spiritual level. And so um, it's funny when I think back on it, how, how profound I was feeling at that point, but at the same time, I feel like I was ruining the experience for everybody else in the room because I probably went through a whole box of Kleenex as well. <laughs> I'm, 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 usually, I'm usually not uh, not the graceful crier. So, um, but there was there was something there, and and um, it's it's it, it's easy to get some sort of textbook answer like it was the Holy Spirit flowing through me, or or Jesus was trying to tell me something, and. And, and, and likely it was something like that, but I still can't fully explain what it was that, that, that was happening at that moment. But um, after that point, there was an awakening um, that just kind of, that, that, that propelled me to just look for, okay, like what, what's happening here? What, um, the, the faith that I'm in, that the Apostles' Creed that I say at the Mass, like um, what does it actually mean? Like how can I say that I believe it unless I know what it means first? Right. And then so from that point forward, then I took an interest. I, I committed myself to, despite being probably one of the slowest readers on the planet, to read through the whole Bible. I'm actually right now still um, on the first go through. I'm just about to start the book of Revelation. So I'm almost I'm almost done. Almost done yeah. God, yeah. God, bl God bless you for for making it through, because yeah. I and, usually uh, get to somewhere in numbers and yeah, then... the Old Testament's a bit of a slog <laughs> at times. And, and yeah. done. After the Bible, you mm -hmm. picked up some Catholic literature. What, what uh, were you so reading? So at first, at first it was less reading and it was more listening. I found, I started picking up a lot of YouTube videos and, and, and podcasts. I started picking up some of the larger names just because they're the first ones that come out. Like the, so. like the guys you had listened to at the Indiana Seat Conference, I guess, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Of, yeah, yeah. So I discovered yeah. Matt, Matt Fradd and, and right. Bishop Barron and, and, and a bunch of those. Um, There's even a Polish priest, uh, Father uh, Adam Szustak, um, who who I started listening to as well on YouTube. And and so eventually I started picking up a few books. And so um, uh, as a gift I got from my aunt in Poland, um, oh the name is escaping me now, uh, the book by Saint uh, by by Thomas Akempis, um, uh, Imitation of Christ, Christ. Imitations yeah. of Christ, one one right. of my favorites. Yeah, I started picking up a few books from C.S. Lewis that might not be explicitly um, Catholic, but they definitely have spiritual value right. mm -hmm. to them, like mm -hmm. the. Um, 
like the one about the wormwood, uh, the, uh, the the screw tape letters, letters exactly yeah. the screw tape letters, um, the great divorce. And then so um Mere Christianity. I don't know if you got to that one. Uh I haven't got into that one. Okay, that's no. a good yeah. Um just kind of glancing at my bookshelf to see if there's any others that come to mind. There's a few by Jason Everett. There was um uh there was one called Theology of the Body in an Hour. And so it's a mm-hmm. tiny little like a hundred page book where I hear about this theology of the body and I hear about it and I hear talks about it and things like this, and then I realize and then I realize that oh, this thing is like 400 500 page tome with high philosophical language like where do we get started and then so that uh, that book theology of body and hour it definitely helped to just introduce um, me to the topics Um, and and i like the that you're bringing that up because uh anyone and and anytime i've tried to and i and i did actually plow my way through theology of the body by saint john paul ii and like you say it is a tough read it is you know, mm-hmm. a, a paragraph an hour if I was lucky to to go through that. So something like the theology of the body in an hour is a is a fantastic resource for those who want to get to know theology of the body, but don't want to jump into the deep end right away. And and especially um, it, it's I, I come from a bit of a philosophy background because as you mentioned, I did a minor in philosophy when I attended the University of Toronto. Um, and so I've read Plato, I've read uh, Machiavelli, I've read some Augustine, some uh, Aristotle and whatnot. So I'm not foreign to the philosophical language, but um, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that the next thing you pick up will be easy, right? And so <laughs> sometimes you just need an introduction to the topic as a whole before you can really dig into to the real thing. And so actually another a bunch of books that I that I picked up because I already had leftover textbooks from school was um, I started looking through the specific um, specific philosophical books that I had lying around that were related to the faith. So there were some excerpts from St. Augustine. There were um, some some excerpts from St. Thomas Aquinas um, and a few other uh, philosoph- Catholic philosophers like that. Yeah, see, and here now I'm starting to, to find that uh, you're in over my head. When you start yeah. pulling out names like that, uh, it's, uh, yeah, no, but these are very, very important things for us to, as Catholics, to study and to deepen our faith and to get to know our faith better. Mm-hmm. And thanks be to God, there are things out there like theology of the body in an hour, mm-hmm. uh, or, and there's ways into St. Augustine. Uh, I'm thinking too, like when St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, I never read the, the Summa Theologica, um, but I read Peter Kreef's The Summa of the Summa, kind of like the, the, the Reader's Digest version uh, of St. Uh, Thomas Aquinas's Summa. Uh, and so very important that we as Catholics do learn the ins and outs of our faith like that. When you were mentioning that you turned to podcasts, I was very disappointed to hear that the Pints and Pews podcast wasn't the very first one that you, <laughs> you, you looked up. I don't think we were around then, Robert, were we? Otherwise, you would have. I don't think sure. so, no. Yeah. <laughs> now, and we were talking a little bit about that on air, but I'd like to kind of ask that now. So, again, how did you find out about the Pints and Pews podcast? Just, again, kind of lets us kind of know mm-hmm. how to get the word out as well. So, I feel like once you start getting into podcasts and then people, and then um, 
some producers will start shouting out other other producers then um, there tends to be a kind of chain reaction if you want to if you want to follow that trail so um, the initial I, prefer, podcast, I prefer to say a rabbit hole but that's <laughs> yeah yeah it's, sometimes sometimes I even feel like I struggle to keep up when I realize okay maybe I should stop listening to one or two of these tell me you got a long commute uh, Robert are you, are you commuting in the uh, car? Is this I've, 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 just... I've actually got a really long commute I have to okay. walk all the way from my bedroom to the basement so. <laughs> so you're doing it on your own time you're not in the car listening to the podcast as many do no, I, no. yeah whenever whenever I do have to do some driving or or when it's when it's the kind of work where you can focus but still listen to something on the side right. I, might, I might play it in the background um, and so the podcast that I was listening to um, yeah, I came across a bunch of them and then larger ones like Attention Presents ones and whatnot. And then so there was something where I feel like it was there were certain points that are hard to relate to when the person you're listening to isn't quite local. And then so I'm not sure exactly what um, how I found it, but I ended up coming across the Catholic Canuck podcast. And, I, and it's like, OK, well, he's he's um, he's in the prairies, but at least he's in the same country, right? So there might be some more references that are relatable and, and that kind right. of thing. And then so um, I believe that on his podcast, I ended up hearing about you guys. And then so I gave a listen. And then I think once I listened, once I finished the second one, um, I was kind of hooked. I even shared it with Paulina. And then so a lot of the ideas that you guys are talking about is um, they're not just... Um, they're not just well well spoken and 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 good ideas and and educational, but um, I think the fact that you guys are within the same province within a couple hours drive, um, there's references and everything that just make everything more familiar. Yeah, see, that's I think the, the familiarity helps. You know lot. what, Robert? That's the fine line, and Robert could probably speak to this as well. Is to to have a fine line between a generic, where you know all English speaking listeners can can listen in, but also having some points of reference for the people who are in that particular area so they can actually relate to, like you said. And I'm glad we actually gave a shout out to Pauline at the beginning too. I'm glad you mentioned that because she had listened to a podcast. But uh, you're absolutely right. And um, I'm just thinking now with with the podcast, um, you want to make sure that you don't, not alienate, but you do references. In, and Robert, you've done this before where you quickly put your temperature your Celsius into Fahrenheit, if we've got American listeners or some other reference that everybody, you know, through the throughout the English speaking world, because as Robert will attest, he does all the numbers and he says we've picked up a few listeners, you know, from all over the world type thing. So mm-hmm. it's good that you were one of the first ones there, Robert. Yeah, and I'm still floored by the fact that he says we have good diction. That were well spoken. I mean, I, would, if, I think we, he used the word erudite. Did he? Uh, no, no that, that was those were our last guests that said we That's were erudite. Right. Um, yeah, we, we've never been accused of those things uh, before. So um, thank you. And I think I'm going to have yeah. to send uh, our buddy David over at the Catholic Canuck a, a 20 or something. And, and thanks for shout out to him and stuff like that. But I think, Robert, you hit on a good point, though. You have to like what we try to do here is we try to not take ourselves seriously, but take the faith seriously. So it's got to be a little bit lighthearted. We like to have a beer. That's that's the pints and pews. But mm-hmm. in the end, we we want to you know talk about the faith because I think it's important. Like just to hear your story tonight. I I mean that's going to move a lot of people. That's a really beautiful faith story that you brought to us and a little bit of the Polish culture. So I, I think there's a lot for the listeners to take away from tonight's uh, podcast. Two saints that kind of, in my youth, 
when I was a, a young teenager that kind of helped me with my own faith development. Um, and both of them happened to be Polish. Right? Uh, as a confirmation gift, I received a book entitled I Knew Blessed Maximilian. And it was the story of, at the time, Blessed Maximilian Colby. That's how long ago it was. He wasn't St. Maximilian Colby. I was just going to say, you can't say saint because he wasn't saint at the time. And you're going to say John Paul II, Pope John Paul II as well. Are you, Robert, for your second yeah. one or no? Yeah, well, he yeah. wasn't a saint at the time. He was and the he, Pope. He, he was the Pope. He was still living at the time. Yeah. Uh, he was the Pope of my youth. I was eight years old when Saint John Paul, when Pope John Paul II was, was elected. Um yeah, we can talk. Everybody's talking about Pope John Paul II. I mean, I, you were probably at one of his. I was at his mass in '84 in Downsview. I'm sure you were at that one, Robert, or the other one. I don't. No, think I, I wasn't was at the mass in '84. Yeah, no, I, w- I was born in '84. Yes, uh, our, our guest. No. I don't think so. <laughs> no, Robert wasn't born there. But I mean, did you no, go to the other no. one? And, yeah, I mean, yeah, actually, and I think it was 2001 uh, in Downsview. Yep. I, I was about 10 years old then, or so, so right. I didn't quite know what was happening, and I was kind of disappointed that it was raining the whole time. But uh, I, was, I, was, I remember I seeing there. you there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing a helicopter just flying in with, and the Pope waving as he came to the to the altar. Well, and, and Robert just mentioned that, and this is one of the things that that I, I always get shivers when I think of now Saint John Paul II, but at the time. Uh, Pope John Paul II. Uh, Robert, you mentioned you were disappointed it was raining. Like it was an absolute soggy mess out there. Right? And you know, you're knee deep in mud out in this field and you're waiting for the Pope to arrive. And as Dennis says, the helicopter comes over and the Pope's waving from the helicopter. And as soon as the helicopter came over and landed, the clouds parted and oh, nice. I ended up with sunburn that day. Oh, yeah, I had a beautiful Sunday day. Right. So other than Maximilian Colby and St. Pope John Paul II, you have to give us your favorite saint or two. But well, you can't use those two, unfortunately. You, they've that's... been already chosen by Robert. I think that's part of the problem, though. Robert kind of stole my thunder stole, there. I was going to say St. Maximilian Colby. Well, I, I was, I was going to, I had him in mind because he's actually my uh, my confirmation saint. Um, and then so... Um, uh, we would actually have to do some homework. We couldn't just pick a random name. And so it, it was, uh, I felt like there was a bit of an internal struggle because that's the name of the parish I go to. And a lot of the kids right. chose the name just for that reason. But I actually did some research. And then so at that time, um, the sacrifice um, really impressed upon me. And the fact that he would be willing to do that for those who, who don't know the, the basic rundown is that um, he was a Catholic priest in Poland during the Second World War. Um, he was eventually sent to the Auschwitz concentration camp. And when a prisoner escaped, um, the, the German officers uh, picked 10 people at random to, to starve to death as punishment. And then so one of the men was, was, was crying out saying that, no, I have a wife, I have three kids, I can't, I can't die now. And then so um, St. Maximilian stepped in and took his place. And then so the, the way the story goes is that after the, um, after the week was done, and everybody else actually ended up succumbing to the starvation. Um, he survived, and he, apparently he had a glowing face, and it looked like nothing ever bad happened to him. And then so they ended up having to um, uh, give him. They ended up having to give him a lethal injection finally. Mm-hmm. And Isn't then that, so I did not. I did not know that last part there. And yeah. and what happened to the the gentleman that? he had taken the place of was so i don't know all the details but i do remember reading that um he was alive at least until the the 80s i'm not sure if he i I don't think he's around anymore but um 
but he, he definitely lived a long life after that. And he was made a special guest and present at uh, St. Maximilian's um, beatification and I think canonization as well. Okay. Oh, how interesting. And the thing, the thing about Maximilian Colby, and I, I don't know if you know much about his, pre, um, his, his pre-concentration camp, is that he had such a rich history before. I can't believe the, the amount of things he did in Poland yeah, I, I mean, I just yeah. was reading one of these saints last year, and I I went over this Maximilian Cole. I think it was Laudate uh, Robert, but it just said I couldn't believe how much I thought he just ended up at Auschwitz. He gave his life for the, and that was it. But he mm-hmm. did so much for, for yeah. I don't know Polish universities or seminaries. Uh, you, a little yeah, bit. He wrote a lot of magazines and, magazine. and, and articles. And um, at one point, when he was studying in Rome, there was a large. Uh, um, there was a large uh, fight with the Freemasons who were celebrating some sort of anniversary at the time, and so he was speaking out against them. and And um, he was a he was a pil- he was not a pilgrim, a missionary to Asia a few times to Japan right. and to China, um, and accomplished a lot there. And actually, one of the I think it was a, uh, a was it a sanctuary or was it a small church? I forget. But there's actually a building that he helped to build there that was outside of Nagasaki and because he built it on the mount on the side of the mountain that um the Japanese Taoists at the time believed that was kind of bad luck in a way or or, or wasn't um uh, didn't quite make sense ended up being one of the few buildings that survived because the blast of the nuclear bomb didn't reach around to the other side of the mountain isn't that interesting and of course a rich history rich catholic history in Nagasaki Japan yes Mm-hmm. But absolutely, I couldn't believe this stuff beforehand. It was just incredible. What an incredible man. Yeah, and when you look at that story and all the things that he did, you have to wonder, how did he even make it to Auschwitz? How did he survive to that point where mm-hmm. someone who was doing what he did, the Nazis would have targeted and would have ex- exterminated, which would have been the words that the Nazis would have used, he would have been executed long before he got to the concentration like, camp. Like Catan, right? In the, the massacre of Catan in the forest, right? Where they mm-hmm. eliminated all the intellectuals, the priests, the generals, right? Right, right. And, yeah. and you were mentioning, too, the, the magazines that he published and that he, he wrote and that he organized. I, I believe it was called the, the Knights of the Immaculata. If I'm wrong, please correct me on the on the title or maybe a listener, but I'm pretty sure it was Knights of the Immaculata. But that rich Marian heritage ran mm-hmm. very, very deep with St. Maximilian as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so um um yeah, the reason the reason why um what I had why I had him picked as well is that um uh throughout the, the past few years, um I've also been learning more about the um I guess the parallels, the differences, but also the similarities between the priest as a father and the lay father as a father and the responsibilities involved. And then, um, and then, you know, the, the, the lines in the Bible, like there's, um, uh, like, for example, the first line, most people usually know where uh, wives submit, submit to your husband. And then the Mm -hmm. second line, they tend to kind of glaze over where it's husbands die for your wives. And yeah. so that idea of being able to sacrifice yourself, whether it's literally sacrificing your life or just sacrificing your preference and curtain color, like <laughs> there's, 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 it's, it's, it's a, it's a world of sacrifice that you, have to, sacrifice, that you have to take on. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I love that line from Ephesians five, you know, men be like Christ to your wives. And so men, if you want to know what it means to be like Christ for your wives, 
look to the crucifix. Mm-hmm. Look to the crucifix. That's what you're called to do for your wife. That's what you're called to do for your children. And Dennis and I know that because we're 25 years in. And I think it, that it's amazing. And she's Robert. still she's still married to me, which is very impressive. Yeah. <laughs> well, as long as the checks don't bounce, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what I my mom always says, you know, why, why is it why is Ellie still married to you? And I says, because mom, your checks haven't bounced yet. Uh, <laughs> But I think it's just amazing. And it warms my heart to listen to Robert, a, a young gentleman who is just yeah. entering into the, the sacrament of marriage to have that wisdom. Mm-hmm. Because I can tell you at that age, I did not have that wisdom. I did not have that that same notion. I didn't have that same catechesis going into marriage that, that you're taking in to yours. And era. funny, I got now, will you be? 39 or will you still be 29 by the time you got married? Cause I, I was married at, that was the same age, 29, just turning 30. Were you? Um, so the wedding set in August and my birthday is actually in July. So I so think you'll just turn 30. 30. Okay. Yeah. 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 Robert, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm looking at the same name, Robert Robert. Yeah, Robert. I know my birthday's tough. in my birthday's <laughs> in July. Oh, wow. And our wedding anniversary is in, is, is in August. Is in August as well. <laughs> as well. Go. Wow. And, and Don't tell we, me you were married at 29, turning no. just in 30, were you? No, 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 no. I was a little bit younger. Okay, okay. So, uh, but yeah, yeah no, that's that's all. And then Robert L as well, the same, you know, the, the same initial <laughs> for the last name as well. Yeah, make sure the next time we on this uh, podcast Zoom that you guys put like at least one of you puts your last name so we can, you know, differentiate <laughs> Robert L's on the... Well, let, let, let's just say the younger Robert is the one who's actually able to grow facial hair, right? <laughs> and he's he's uh, looking to, to maybe eventually emulate St. Maximilian Colby as yes. well one, one day with, with that. So it's almost time to either have another yep. beer or, or finish up the uh, podcast for the evening, uh, Robert. Yeah, I, I was going to say my hourglass is pretty much Our empty here. And so, Robert, it was great to get to know you. It, it was great to get to know one of our listeners. Number Absolutely. one, I mean, for, for mm-hmm. Dennis and I, I think that has been the, the, the coolest part of this evening uh, is getting to get to know one of our listeners. And that was going into it. Now that we've had the conversation, I mean, like, wow, your, your faith story, that, that really story, story of, yeah. of you know, being at adoration and just being moved to tears. Wow. And, and I know that, that stuff like that doesn't happen every time everyone goes to adoration. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is when you're not looking for it that and it, it kind of Christ comes out of nowhere and, and, and scoops you up. But listening to that, listening to uh, the, the traditions within your family, the culture, yep, the faith from a young age, and just you know, and the fact that you're you know, you're you're getting set now to take on married life, the beautiful sacrament of marriage. Uh, Robert, it's just been a pleasure this evening listening to tell your story to us and to all of our listeners. So thank you so much for being with us. Well, um, I know that uh, when Robert was saying that uh, when he mentioned me having wisdom, it's like, well, you can, you can know it. That's one thing, but now it's time to walk the walk. So, so we'll see how that goes. And you will, and you will, right. But uh, it's it's been a surreal experience because I'm so used to listening uh, to you guys and the speakers of my car and then to see your faces for the first time is, uh, so we look a lot younger in, in, in real life on Zoom. Is that what you want to say next, Robert? You definitely, you... You, let, let's say that you definitely look younger than you sound. <laughs>
but uh, or, 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 let, or let's put it this way: you maybe you sound wiser than you look. I don't know if, if, if that's an insult or a compliment. I, I was just waiting for Robert to come out and say, "Yeah, you guys look like you have faces for a podcast, right?" Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's that that was next, right? Oh. Yeah. So we're gonna get down to the other side of uh, the GTA, the western side of the GTA. Robert, and I'm going to drop this off, right, to Robert. Am I not in the near future? You've been saying that for a couple months. But well, we wanted to get him on first because if he didn't, if he didn't come on to the podcast, he didn't get the hat. So that's that's uh, now he gets the hat. Right? So, so that that was the worm on the. That was part of that. the deal, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Robert, how was? And, and again, I'm I'm not going to do the name justice. How was your Vareka? Uh, my Varka. It was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 good. I'm actually. Um, normally I'm usually the first one in the room to finish my beer, but I'm only about halfway. Yeah. Down, so, um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's delicious. It's, it, there's a reason why it's my go-to it has, it has the, uh, the sweetness. And so, um, I know, I, I know I've heard the, uh, the, the explanation before we're usually like, usually the guy that looks like a big bear and you win him over with, uh, with honey. And I think that might be the case with me. Okay. And you know what? Next time we're on the Western side, if I do drop this off and do hit an LCB on the West side of the GTA, I will pick one up for you, Robert, as well. Awesome. Thank you very much. And talking about, uh, you know, wooing over the big guy with some honey, how was the the honey wheat beer? You know what? It got better. It was actually started off a little bit. And then in the end, it was going down pretty smooth. So I, I, I will have that again. Yeah. My, my home sweet home, honey, vanilla wheat, a lot of stuff in that beer. Very good. And for me from the Perth Brewery, the, the Whalebone Oyster Stout, nice and smooth, uh, a nice hearty stout beer for a day like we had today. And we started off this morning at minus 26 degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. Yeah, I just well, know it was, it was stinking cold out there yeah. today. So to have a, a nice uh stout well, don't, beer don't okay just don't say dunkel kind of day as long as you don't say the oh the, 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 the sun was out there today it was not yeah, a dunkel kind of day today the sun was cold. out there so it was beautiful yeah minus 21 was pretty good that was the coldest my uh, card ever recorded a, a temperature without the wind chill Mm-hmm. So yeah, no. So it was cold out there, but the the, the conversation has been great, Robert, and the, the beers have been nice. But your story absolutely fantastic, and go go forth and share that with others because that's the kind of story that the the world needs to hear. Congratulations! All the best. We'll be praying for you and Paulina uh, as you approach your wedding day this summer, and we'll have to have you back on in twenty five years to get the update. Yeah. Best best of luck to you and Paulina then. Robert, take care of yourself. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That was a great conversation. What a great guest, Robert. Just a very easy flowing conversation with uh, Robert. I, I was absolutely floored by Robert's story. I know Robert in the communications I had with him uh, leading up to him coming on the podcast, uh, that's the first podcast he's been on. He was a little bit nervous, but I have to say know. that yeah. w- you you wouldn't know that was not at all. That was an, a great conversation we had with him. Uh, and then we were chatting with him a little bit afterwards off air mm-hmm. and we could have done a second podcast. Oh, absolutely. That would have been another possible. But when he talked about his faith story about adoration, I know you go off and Robert and, I, and I've been a few times when I was off and just makes me want to go to adoration. It's just so exciting the way he talked about it and the emotion he brought into that. It was beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, witness. Uh, absolutely beautiful witness to the power of adoration. 
Um, like I, I said to them, I think, I think I said to them in, in the podcast, it's not something that happens every time when you go to adoration, but just spending that time with our Lord is so important, so important. And I think if more people got to adoration, the world would be a different place. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned that in the podcast too. Absolutely. I still have difficulty spelling monstrance though. I don't, it's always A-N-C-E, is it not? Or doesn't matter how you spell it as long as you're looking towards our Lord in the monstrance, right? Yeah, I know. I just, I just want to spell monstrance correctly once. But listen, another good show. It was a great show. And I know um, you offered to Robert and we will get to him uh, one of our pints and pews ball caps caps yes you don't have to send it in the mail and be charged exorbitant prices by canada post i will drop that personally off to mississauga mr mississauga in the near future so that's cool but talking about the ball caps we're trying to give a couple of ball caps away mm-hmm. and try as we might i don't know what it is um we had said that you know like the facebook page give us a review send it in and w- We'll pick a couple of names for the the Pints and Pews ball cap. In that time, I've sent out messages. We said we'd give away two. I sent out two messages uh, through Facebook for for the two caps. Never heard back from them for a week and a bit. Sent out a couple more messages to pick two new names. Sent out two more messages. Still didn't hear anything back. So I'm asking our listeners, if you like the Facebook page, if you like Pints and Pews on Facebook, check your Facebook messages inbox, check your Facebook message requests inbox to see if Mm -hmm. there's a a message there. It comes from my own personal account. It can't come from the Pints and Pews account. So it's coming from mine, Robert LeBlanc. Uh, Look for it there. Get back to me. Now, if all four people get back to me, we'll give out all four caps. Absolutely. Not a problem with that. Yep. Uh, But just do this. Check it and get it done. And we'll send out these caps right away. And one day I will get on social media and I will have a Facebook account, Robert. There we go. Now we'll we'll give it another 10 days or so to see if we hear back from anyone. If we don't hear back from anyone, I'm going to say, let's say February 1st. If we haven't heard from anyone on February 1st, again, we will pick. Two more names. Two more names. Okay. From the the people who like the Pints and Pews on Facebook. And we will go with those names. So uh, check your Facebook inbox, people, and let us know uh, so we can get these caps to you. But Dennis, the time has flown by. I mean, my hourglass is empty now. Always a pleasure, Robert, once again, both the pint and the conversation we've had this evening. Especially the pint, my stout on this cold, wintry day. But it's always a pleasure to talk about our Catholic faith as well. Very true, very true. And just before we wrap up, perhaps there's one small favour we could ask of our listeners. If you could take a quick moment and a couple of clicks to follow the Pints and Pews podcast on your favourite platform and give us a review. And while you're at it, give us a like on Facebook and drop us a line there or at pintsandpews at gmail.com. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. And hopefully we'll chat again very soon, my friend. God willing. And until then, remember the words of G.K. Chesterton. In Catholicism, the pint, the pipe, and the cross can all fit together. God bless. 